Ladies and gentlemen, take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome to episode 31 of A Gentleman's Chat with your hosts, Ian and Billy. Ian, we are back. Again, we're on a roll, by the way. Yeah. This is the most... Right down the hole. Yeah. Into the well. I know. Or we can go cross-eyed. This is the most consistent I think we've ever (laughs) been in this show's history. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what they say, consistency is key, and when it's off and on... People value the consistency more. That's true. <laughs> so any week now, we're going to take a month and a half hiatus just yeah. in case. People are just, people are getting spoiled with our uh, timeliness. What's funny is we've actually made it into like an evening. Yep. Like, you know, this is sort of the thing that we do on, on this evening. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, on this particular evening. We don't want to give people too much information. <laughs> so they hunt us down on wednesday evenings when we shoot this show i don't want to tell them because it changes sometimes so if the show is ever late you know they'll know like the show always goes up tuesday at <laughs> one o'clock so if, you know if they're shooting it monday night like they might be they don't want people yeah. to judge us yeah luckily we don't shoot on monday nights <clears throat> so <laughs> i come with a couple of things actually a tale from um just down the road from where you live <clears throat> Oh, that's probably I was a driving bad sign. through. I was driving through this neck of the woods the other day, and full disclosure, I don't actually live in the woods. For those listening, right? He, he sure. was not being literal. Your neck of the streets. Yeah, there you go. So where you live, there's a giant. Uh, well, not giant, but there's four lanes of traffic coming each direction, right? So this guy pulled up last night or two nights ago at the stop and go lights opposite me. So it was his green light. He went okay. The guy took a hard left into the oncoming traffic lane. Like, he missed the median in his two lanes and just stayed on the far left lanes. And I thought, oh, dear God, we're about to witness a murder. So this guy, and I, at first I thought, well, he's going to recognize when he sees you know, the yellow lines and people coming at him, right? So my light goes green and I go storming off after this guy. I'm flashing the high beams down. Like, he's, he's ignoring all signs. This guy is completely clueless in all ways, shape, and form. And, uh... My girlfriend and I followed him for, I don't know, half a mile maybe. He had no idea. Cars are coming at him. And I'm thinking (laughs) clearly he's going to know something is wrong. Nothing. These cars are pulling over, stopping, flashing their (laughs) high beams at him. You know, they got their their hazards on. They're they're pulling out of his way as this guy in his 1980s Ford pickup truck is just motoring down the street. He eventually figures it out before we hit the next set of stop and go lights, and he swerves at the last second back into our lane. And I pull up next to this guy, and I'm thinking, I got to know who the person <laughs> driving this vehicle right now is. This thing, this two-passenger vehicle, it is a two-door Ford F-150 from like the 80s with a green plate on. Ah, uh, you might have the flip-down seat then. There are four or five people in this vehicle. <laughs> I counted for sure four pe- four pairs of eyes looked over at me and thought, well, what the hell's your problem? <laughs> I, don't know why, I don't know why I was getting judged. Oh, I love the counter judge. Yeah. It works beautifully. This dude you is... You could be completely the wrong. <laughs> I don't get it. This guy was driving on the complete wrong side of the road for a very long time, and I was the guy in the wrong. Yeah. You know what's bad? With both the left... Usually lefts, I've seen a couple right turns, but I've seen that quite a lot on the exact intersection you've seen. It's like not uncommon, and every time I see it, I'm like, someone's gonna die. 
Yeah. I'm just going to be on my way to work or on my way to the store or something, and I'm just never going to make it because there's going to be someone dead in there. It's, dude, it's going to happen. Because there's no way to get back over because it is a full-fledged median where it's above ground and everything. Right. There's no way you're getting back over. Yeah, leave for quite a while. Yeah. You know, the turn lane isn't come up for, you know, as you might expect, there's no turn lane going the opposite yeah. direction. So you kind of got to, like, want <laughs> it to get back over there. It was <sighs> crazy. Not... Not as crazy as what I heard on the radio today. So I, I don't listen to the radio in the car. I have a thing of that mostly because, as I've said several times on the show, my life is music. I'm a music teacher. I, I don't want to listen to music. I don't find that enjoyable on the radio. You For don't me, hear music on the radio. You hear ads on the radio. This was one of them. <laughs> so I get in and the, and the radio's on because obviously my better half was in there. So she had the radio on. Not a big deal. No harm, no foul. But... I hear an ad for stress ball supplements. And what this the what what this what this is here boys and girls is for people that are stressed what you do is you take these protein ball supplements a couple times a day every day I guess and it's supposed to reduce your stress. And they were saying, you know, it makes it makes a, a like a hard day's work into and uh, like a flowery goodness, you know, like it's better. Your day is better and brighter. And they had like the background sound of butterflies and birds. And, and then, you know, by the end of the day, your whole world is just better. I'm thinking, dear God, they're selling drugs. These people, these people are selling drugs. Uh, or they just completely missed the mark. I don't know who they're advertising to because a stress ball is a physical object that you need the contraction of your muscles around for it, you to get anything out of it so in other words unless it is a stress ball for like your jaw <laughs> dude these are supplements you should be taking i i don't understand who their target audience is because yeah. if you're that stressed that you know what a stress ball is or already have one a stress ball supplement is not going to do you anything because they're going to realize wait a second that has nothing to do with the stress right, ball. I, I, Folks, when I say supplement, I, I literally mean like protein powder. You consume it. Yeah, I mean a consumable thing. That's like, you know when you wake up and you take your Flintstones vitamins? You take that, yeah. you're half a, you know, half a scoop of protein, and then you just take a couple of protein ball supplements and toss them in your morning drink. And I, I don't guess, actually know that. I don't take any supplements. And I guess you just take a trip to, to Happyville? I don't know. You would have to. How, how, did they describe like how large these supplements are? No. Because are they just like the beanies and some of the stress balls that have like the actual like filled grain? No, this no, this is just a supplement that you take. Like it's just like a pill, I guess, and it's meant to not only reduce your stress, folks, eliminate it. So it eliminates stress. Yeah, is the supplement in the shape of a sphere? Is it like an actual ball? I don't know. I didn't buy it. Uh, (laughs) I didn't even think of. We might need to. <laughs> I wrote down the name of the thing because I thought, shit, I got to talk about this tonight. This is out of hand. Yeah, maybe maybe it's the best thing that has ever been invented. It sounds like maybe a, they'll be a sponsor. It sounds. <laughs> it sounds like a muscle relaxer. Is what it sounds like. Oh, like I have muscle relaxers. You want to try some? No, I don't. Can't say okay. I do. No. Yeah, that's probably a good answer. Seeing as we're putting this out, and that'd be very illegal. Cheapers, creepers, dude. It's all sorts of wacky stuff. The world really is going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, that's true. I'm not allowed to give you my muscle relaxers, but you can buy them off some right, shady radio right. ad. Some radio ad for like instant stress relievers. Like, think about the chemical imbalance in your brain that must create. 
Like I, you know, I understand the difference between stressed, anxious, and anxiety. Right? Those are those are different things. Yeah. People can be stressed and they can be anxious. Anxiety is a mental illness. Understanding all those things, and they, you know, a lot of people that have anxiety, they give them medications to take, and yeah. it helps sort of correct the the misinformation in the head. Right? Gets all the things back back the way they should be. I'm not so certain. This shadio, the shadio, <laughs> this shady radio ad. Is sent by a qualified doctor at all? I I'm I'm confident because it wasn't Doctor Jeff that came on and said I approve this thing and I'm you know, like an expert. No, it was just a guy named Jeff who makes this shit in his bathtub and sells it to you. I at least in my head that's what he is. Yeah. Well, maybe he just broke the formula. Maybe this Jeff he has radio ads just can't get enough of a foothold in the real market that the wonderful doctors and the people who have been to med school, they're all taught this deep secret I must have missed when I was there <laughs> of, hey, there, there's just this secret little ball that is full of stress, but if you consume it, it eliminates all the stress. It's like stress fighters. It goes in your body. Little guys, <laughs> yes. little microscopic boxers, they just punch the stress out of you. And he's found this secret formula, and he's giving it to the world. Dude, I don't get it. I love how I love how you have yet to drop the analogy of a stress ball, like one that you would hold in your hand, like the other one that like soccer moms are holding in. You know, okay, that is the only stress ball that exists. So I don't know how you're wrapping that into a supplement. I don't either. It's just what it's called. They they don't look very edible either. Like I've never looked at any particular stress ball and like, I wonder what that tastes like. Yeah, I I. I, I, I don't know. I wish I did. Uh, Maybe we should order some and see what the heck happens. Yeah, and then in two years' time, we'll try a little. It'll be like one of those mesothelioma ads oh, where it's like, God, if you've had stress ball with this weird substance we just now discovered, uh, call this lawyer because you have cancer. Yeah, yeah, you may be entitled to significant compensation. <laughs> Uh, for what? Guys. I haven't felt any side effects. I mean, I lost all my limbs a year back, but aside from that... I'm happy as shit, so I lost... <laughs> <laughs> no stress at all. I wasn't stressed when I went bald. <laughs> I wasn't stressed when I lost all my fingernails and toenails. I started and glowing green a little, I swear. <laughs> Must have been from all the happiness building up inside me. <laughs> the world couldn't... My body couldn't contain it. The world needs it. It's just... Shooting out the colorful happiness of green hue. He came so happy, I've got a hue. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Speaking of hues, get a load of this garbage. Okay, so this is not meant to be me ranting. Hang on, boys and girls. We're going to get into the more interesting conversation. Oh, it's just just absolutely glorifying how good we've become with segues. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's a good point. Wait till the ad read comes up. I'll get you with that one. Good. So, yesterday... My better half and I, we have this date book, right? And you scratch off different activities to do. And, and yesterday's activity was go to different dollar stores and buy no more than $5 worth of items that represents the other person to you. Okay. It sounds like kind of a cute, fun idea. Yeah. So I get to the Dollar General because she picked Dollar Family Dollar? Dollar Tree. Dollar Tree because that's the better one where everything is actually That a one's actually a dollar, yeah. Yeah. So I, I picked Dollar General because it was yellow, and I thought, I'm in. I have, yep. I have a personal affinity to Dollar General from my childhood. 
So I roll up to the Dollar General, and I'm buying all these things, and I get to the balloon section. Because I'm thinking, you know, she's a happy, chipper person. We're always having fun together. I'm going to get her some balloons. Because that represents happiness in this dollar store to me. Does it? It's, it's a dollar store. It's a dollar general <laughs> in small town Wisconsin, okay? I'm not going to find anything with flashing arrows that says I love you on it. It's like... That'd be pretty cool if you could get one of those for a dollar. So I'm standing in the balloon <laughs> section, and they make glow-in-the-dark balloons, which are, like, painted and colorful, and you pull a, a cord from under them before you blow them up, and they, I'm assuming, like a glow stick, become, you know, this... this they get a hue of color. And I thought, my God, these are the best balloons a dollar can buy, right? Nothing with the rinky-dink, you know, pink, yellow, blue, little tiny water balloons. I am stepping up in this world. Especially for the definitely not dollar you paid for them. So I get up to the front. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my items. I've got it priced perfectly. I've walked around the store. I cut out things. I clearance hunt. I did everything I did to get as much stuff as I could for my five bucks, right? And the dude... What was his name? Trenton or something like that. <laughs> wow. What was, no, yeah, what was nobody his name? Yeah, nobody docks Trenton from this Wisconsin Dollar General. Or tr- tr- it started with a T. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Trevor, maybe. Trevor. Tristan. Tristan. There's Tristan. Are you sure? There's a lot more T names. Troy. I'm going with Tristan. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I said a lot more T names and then I came up with one. I was kind of like, <laughs> yeah. you know what? There's not that many T names. Tristan rings me up and says, it'll be six fifty. I said, no, it won't. <laughs> I've got only $5 to spend on this challenge, Tristan, and I'm about to win it. And he said, and I said, well, what's so expensive? Like, what are these balloons? The balloons are a dollar. He said, no, they're three fifty. What? They're on, the, they're on a dollar rack, dude. So now it's, all right, Tristan, walk with me back to the balloon section. So now I'm arguing with a guy at a Dollar General over the price of his balloons. And he said, oh, no, those are just in the wrong section. Tristan, I can't help that you can't do your job. All I want is some freaking shiny balloons, dude. In fairness, you know Tristan, the guy working behind the counter, has no authority. Oh he's left there alone God. and has no authority to change prices. Jeez Louise. So he's sitting there like, yeah, you're right. I can't do anything about it. So I had to settle for the gold ones. But get a load <laughs> of this garbage. I That means I, I, I switched out for the gold ones, which are actually a dollar. Okay. Whew. But now I'm only at three fifty eight. I got a whole another dollar and a half I can spend. But Tristan, after I had my discussion with him, he just rang the whole thing up and said, all right, now it's three fifty. dollars I didn't have the time to tell him, no, no, Tristan, I'm going to walk around the store somewhere. Because <laughs> you know, now the line was falling behind me. You know, the oh. one other person that's decided to be a Dollar General yeah, all day long. Yeah, that's true. I've never seen that place busy. That's what I'm saying, right? And maybe... maybe I, In fairness, I don't think I've ever bought and purchased anything from a Dollar General. So I paid my three fifty, and one of the items I gave her was a spare dollar from my time with Tristan. Nice. That's that's probably what I would have appreciated. Cheapers. If someone knew me instead of going to Dollar General, where they're going to give me a whole bunch of dollar items that I will never use or care about, $5 bill sums it up perfectly. Yeah. I feel yeah. like that's cheating, but... It is a little bit. Yeah. It is a little bit. Now, she had much better success, you know, at the place where everything is actually a dollar. She didn't have to haggle with the front desk over <laughs> the, you know, whatever items she got me. Yeah. So, I don't know what the moral in that story was, but it just I just thought about it. So Yeah. I think the last time I was in Dollar General, I was just seeing what they had because I knew everything wasn't a dollar. Right. But I was going to see how close it was. I would say 
just about nothing in Dollar General very is a little, dollar. Very little. And for whatever reason, our Dollar General uh, might just be where we are. A lot of, like, grocery items. Yeah. But the kind of grocery items you would only ever see in a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, off-brand sort of Doritos not and even, flavors Not even, like, off-brand. Like, some brand that you question if this is, like, legally made. Right. Like, it has some packaging that it's like, was this made by a real company? Or is this someone trying to, like, bootleg Doritos and somehow it got into an actual store? Yeah, or I found, you'll get, like, Dove chocolate bars, but they're the mini ones. Yeah. So everything could be, like, under a dollar. The one that I found that was funny the other day was a gigantic bin of, like, miscellaneous packaged chocolates. Yeah, you know, three for a dollar, and they were all like M and M's grad of twenty nineteen, twenty twenty. Yep, you know things that are just out of date. Yep, and they're like, hey, three for a buck, and we won't talk about it. Exactly. Like, all right, whatever. I'm cool with those. I just I'm not cool with their frozen section. I was there, and it was it might have been three for a dollar, either two for a dollar or three for a dollar. We get over there, and there was the most atrocious like wrapped burritos mm. and now these burritos weren't just your normal burritos that were two for a dollar or three for a dollar they were frozen burritos that were advertised world's largest burrito oh no they were three pound burritos a piece three pound frozen burritos so these things were like a foot tall and six inches wide full burritos and I'm sitting there and I'm contemplating what these burritos could possibly have in them that I can purchase for 50 <laughs> cents a piece. <laughs> I was genuinely perplexed. I'm like, this will kill me if I eat. This has three pounds of something in it. And I could not think of, I could not think of a single food product that I could buy three pounds of for 50 cents. Not anything, especially something that would have to be resemblance of meat yeah there is no meat in existence i can get three pounds of for 50 cents if you ate that you might get a green hue you <laughs> yeah, might start right? glowing but yeah that at that point i'm like i'm not sure i trust going to dollar general anymore and it has been like a year and eight months since i've stepped foot in a dollar general yeah i i only had an affinity for it from my childhood you know when your grandmother takes you and you can buy anything in the store because it's all cheap or so you yeah. thought, because the, the toy section's all a dollar. I never got that. My grandmother, every year, like, for my birthday, I only ever got one gift, and I probably have them stuffed somewhere. I got a Bible every single year, well, which sounds great. It's like, yeah, she really cares about you, and, and she always got it with, like, my name printed or scribed into it. Until you realize, the 10th year of getting a Bible, all the NIV, the same exact... Uh, standard version right. of the Bible is kind of redundant because now I have 10 very large books that are exactly the same that I can't throw away because it, it's one of those things where it'll be brought up. Yeah. Like, oh, do you still have that? Do you, do you use it regularly? I'm like, which one? <laughs> yeah, what? I used the 2004 version more so than the yeah, 2006 right? one, my personal self. 
Yeah, so I have them all stuffed in the back anytime just for like accountability in case I ever get asked where they are. You should start saying, no, I started giving out to my friends at school. They were asking about our Lord and Savior, and I thought, I need to teach them. Oh, They should start giving you know, three or four of them a year, though. They'd that, be really, really screwed. That's really scary. Because um, a lot of adults and whatnot, like where we are now, I remember growing up because I grew up in a uh, Christian family personally and there were a lot of people for different small groups or different church communities where they would expect like their children to be able to go talk to kids at their school about Christ or whatnot. Yeah. And now that I'm a full grown adult, I just see the sheer disconnect. Cause I went to public school my entire life. And anyone who's gone to public school knows <laughs> it is sheer insanity to expect your child of like 11 years old or especially I would say as you get older in like middle school or high school, like I'm a freshman in high school. I want my mother and father are asking me to go share the good news of Jesus to my friends. Like I, I respect what they're trying to do. Right. I think it's incredibly naive to expect that to go well for your child at all. All. You sent him off for the first day of school <laughs> with a backpack full of eight Bibles and a chipper spirit. Yeah. And you're gonna Now remember, Tommy, every class you give out one to someone that's in need of the Lord. Yeah. And even if you have the best intentions, if you're the nicest kid and you're great and everything, you're going to get a stigma of being kind of strange. Because well, that's just uh, not really ex it's, accepted among kids. Right. Right. <laughs> and it's still public school. Yeah. Like, yeah. no teacher... Well, maybe not no teacher, but no administrator is going to let you walk around and start administering the Lord to administering the Lord to folks. I don't think administrators can do anything about it legally. Like, As the sentence came out of my mouth, I realized that. Yeah, yeah, no, like, the, the kids can, which is why I think they're encouraged because, like, your church group or whatnot, adults can't. Adults, like, from the church or whatnot, they're not allowed to go to a public school right. and preach on it because that would be from an organization. Thus, it's church and state. However, the kids, they have free reign. If they want to talk about flat earthery or literally whatever they want, by all means, they can get the entire high school all involved as of the lizard lizard people yes. conspiracy. As I said that, I, I realized that now that I'm on the other side of that statement, yeah. I can't say anything as the teacher. Exactly, but, but the your students kids, can they can say, say whatever they want. I know kids personally that have started Bible studies at high schools Oh, and stuff like that. They, yeah, they're... see, I, I get that, but I, I still think it's really... It's difficult to put a kid in that situation. If you're in late high school, junior, senior, I can see it. Because you know everyone. You've oh, known yeah, everyone. Yeah. That's Plus all Plus, you're pretty much an adult. If you're 17 years old, you know people. You have a connection with them. And then it's like, hey, I have something really great I want to share with you. This is what it can do for you. This is what it's done for me. Right. And But if you're 14, you're right. You show up at high school day one. Your <laughs> thought is not converting folks. No. I mean, we're both deeply religious men yeah and i don't think either one of our thoughts were let's start converting people you yeah know, no <laughs> you're not gonna walk up to the biggest senior you can find and say hey i'm new here do you know <laughs> yeah no the lunchroom of freshman year i'm going into the lunchroom you're hearing conversations that are like swear word swear word swear word have you heard this the latest of my time it was like rap video right and then it's like dirty joke dirty joke 
And it's like, all right, hey, you guys, I'm new here. Uh, have you heard about Jesus? <laughs> have you heard about our Lord and Savior? Here's a Bible my mom sent yeah. me with and some cookies. <laughs> yeah, also, um, I'd rather not have you say any of what you just said. Right, yeah. Did you know that God said swearing's not good? And then it's just going to be fisticuffs from there, I'm sure. Yeah, that's true. Not a good look. I, I don't want that. That's actually a really difficult um, argument. I've heard people try to bring that up. And I don't put a lot of stake in that direct thing. Because profanity is considered, like, societally right. ill will. Right. As far as commandments for Christianity, and I'm not sure, like I said, I don't know deeply into Muslimhood or Hinduism or anything like that. I... But in Christianity, technically, a commandment's only you can't use the Lord's name in vain. There's right. nothing directly against profanity. So someone's going to bring up, like, of course society's not going to want you cussing like a sailor in the workplace or anything. Right. But I've always considered, what's what's the case argument for the profanity issue? I don't have an answer because I agree with you. <laughs> you know, I'm on the exact side of the fence as you are. I, I, I understand because <clears throat> a lot of it is how you represent yourself to other people. Yeah. And I understand that that's important. And maybe, you know, older people would argue more so maybe than younger people. But they would say that, you know, if you want to be a good Christian, air quotes on that for whoever you are. <laughs> if you want to be a good Christian... You want to represent yourself to other people in a Christianly way. And that is, you know, no yeah. profanity, stand up straight, all those things. I agree, though. I don't think anywhere in the commandments, to me, it says, hey, if you cuss or you do something that's societally accepted or not accepted, yeah. you know, so long as you're not hurting anybody or you're being a good person, you're, you're following all those rules... I don't know why people come down so hard, particularly on the cussing thing. Yeah, that's what I've always thought because um, at best you can you can definitely argue the moral argument of yes. using profanity. Yes. But um, I'm going to say like profanity inherently is probably not the most moral. At the same time, I feel people use – and this isn't just in the Christian. I, I'm going to broaden it to any uh, – anything just in society i don't know why people mark so hard well i have a theory but so hard on the easy things to persecute or mark down on when there's way worse things they need to clear up right i things i can think of are profanity or um a lot of times i was and this is probably just mine like either tardiness or um, sloppiness, like not presenting yourself well, right? All looked on as really bad, and people will really hound on those, but they don't touch any like hard issue. Yeah, <laughs> like they won't touch like, oh, you shouldn't say naughty words, but that same teacher will be like, or teacher as in not teacher of students academically, but teacher as an older person that's talking to right people. I should clarify. <laughs> Um, a teacher in the world um, will say, you're not allowed to swear or whatnot, but then they're never going to touch on something like bring up, hey, you shouldn't rape people to your kids. That's kind of an extreme example, but... Yes, okay. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're on the right... It was a roundabout way. I was trying to get away 
a way of saying that that would not get us in trouble. Right. No, you're totally right. And there's a lot of people that, you know, when it's the low-hanging fruit, you slap the hand for that one because it's exactly. really easy. Two things that I've also noticed. One <laughs> is that they don't talk about hard issues. Yes. Or if they do, they talk about it from a very, very narrow perspective. Yeah. And we've said this so many times on this show with the way the current world is, current not meaning negative, but just like the current atmosphere of the world, especially when you look at relationships or building the bonds or the things that older people would have stereotypically, you it's just a giant disconnect. Yeah. The one that always sticks out to me, and I, I will never forget this, and I will bring it up on this show every <laughs> chance I get because it blows my mind, is the sex before marriage thing. We have said our piece <laughs> on this several times, but I vividly remember getting an advert on YouTube that was one of those three-minute ones you can't skip, and it was a guy saying, basically, like, obviously, when you're on the second date and you're having sex. You know, <laughs> and, and, and like it's he, just he, a given. It was a given yeah. thing, but... He was also saying that you need to learn to trust in all these things. Like it was basically like you can have sex, but don't give out the Netflix password until it's serious. Yeah. <laughs> and and I know this is a this is a far stray from where we just were, but I just I was don't, leading it around the bush. I'm glad you got <laughs> into I something. I just don't get it. You know, if you're gonna say something, you're gonna make a stand on it. Do it. <laughs> You know, I get don't don't cuss. Don't profanity's not good. You want to be a respectful individual. Don't track these, mud into the house. Don't track mud in the house. All these things, but you know what? At the same time, you should probably say, "Hey, not only don't cuss, look after your feelings." Let's yeah. start there. Yeah. Let's start with you becoming your own individual. You know, don't be bullied by other folks. Don't be talked into other things by other people. Because you have you know how many nice straight and narrow people I know that don't cuss and they stand up straight and they don't track mud in the house, but they caved to peer pressure immediately. Well, of course. Because they were just told to be yes people. Yeah. It's it's essentially making it easy to vilify very particular acts that everyone's going to vilify, so it means nothing. Instead of critically sitting young people down and teaching them how to have their own moral compass and use it. Teaching them how to think, not, not what, what to think. think. Exactly. That is the key of it right there. Yeah, we bring that up a lot too. That's like a crux of a lot of different issues. It is. And you know, I think well, I, there's an ad break coming, so I can't, I don't want to like change <laughs> topics, right? I don't want to shift. First, everyone, listen to this incredible ad read. Okay, that one kind of derailed my my. Ah, my that was your best segue yet. No, okay, okay. See, most of your segues I can segues I can see coming a mile away. <laughs> that one, I genuinely, it was so abrupt, I had no idea. It got me too because I was I was gonna transition to this topic, and it was something I was hesitant about bringing up. But after last week's show, I talked to you about. it. I was yep. like, hey, this was an experience I had. I don't want to talk about it on the show because we try to be very down the middle with things, and we try to present stuff with clear arguments. And I just didn't want to make anyone uncomfortable with it, but yeah. we decided that maybe this was a good idea and I thought now is the time to talk about it and that was my experience with SAFE training. For those that don't know, as part of your teacher certification and a bunch of other certifications in a large variety of fields, you need to go through something called SAFE training, which is sexual harassment and particularly LGBTQ training. And training again in air quotes because you know what they're trying to do is expose you to this and let you understand some of the pitfalls you might run into. So I had to do this training for my licensure. 
and it was centered around LGBTQ plus people and learning about um, life through their perspective and learning some of the things you, you know, people might go through. So we learned about polyamory. We learned about, you know, queer. What does it mean to be gender neutral or gender fluid? And all these sorts of things and all the terms and sort of how people feel and how you can be an advocate of them. And the first step of being an advocate is understanding your own thoughts and actions. All good things. Here's what upset me, though. <laughs> because it wasn't how to think. The whole yeah. thing was framed in a what to think way. For example, part of it was a quiz um, from the heterosexual viewpoint. So it was asking me things about my heterosexuality. But the questionnaire was trying to phrase it in a way like, you know, how homosexual people feel when they get questioned. You know, like, well, have you ever had, you know, as from a homosexual perspective, have you ever had regular sex? How do you not know that you like that more? So those sort of these really harsh questions, they were trying to rephrase in the heterosexual viewpoint. Yep. You know, like, why do you always have to flash your heterosexuality around? And my answer is like, well, I don't. I'm just a human being. Yep. Well, why do you always try to, you know, pressure people into having sex with you because you're heterosexual? I don't do that. I'm I'm just a guy. I'm just doing my yeah. thing, right? Furthermore, like a virgin, I don't have sex with people. Right. <laughs> it, 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 it was it was making me pissed off because I understand that like that might be questions some people get, but doesn't that make the LGBTQ community look worse? Cuz yeah. you're you're immediately you're immediately assuming all of those sexually negative things, like they're immediately, they're, they're being promiscuous. Yeah. There are people going out and having sex with lots of people. They're the ones that are spreading HIV. It's like all these things, all these assumptions they made for heterosexuality, you know, like when they tried to transition them, they just really made it look like you're judging LGBTQ plus people. Yeah. I, I just couldn't get it. And the one that got me worst was the, the there are several examples and they'd give you a story and you'd have to say what, what did this person do wrong? So the first one was, hey, you're a teacher and you're at the high school ball. Or they gave an example of a teacher, not a first person perspective. Yeah. But, you know, Mr. Cross, who is a coach, you know, he's at prom and two of his students walk up to him and he says, hey, guys, where's your dates? And they take their, you know, they hold each other's hands and they say, well, we're together. And he laughs. He says, oh, stop playing around. End scenario. What did Mr. Cross do wrong? Well, he assumed that they weren't LGBTQ and he assumed that they were joking around and they all, he ignored all signs and this sort of stuff. And it was frustrating to me because I understand that perspective and the always assume a positive intent. But how do you not how do you negate or protect those actual LGBTQ identifying people from people trying to be mean? Like if those two guys had walked up to him and they were playing a joke and they were being mean and he took it seriously mm -hmm. and actual LGBTQ identifying people watched him do that, how does that look to them? Oh, it doesn't help anyone. I hate assumptions. That's what I'm saying. Which is why I'm actually... I'm probably one person you'll find the most strong stance on uh, going through the university for both of us. Uh... A lot of assumptionary what to think ideals, and I feel they come into play most in sexuality or genderality as well as racial 
differences it happens all the time where I despise when people assume an entire group is of their thoughts on the particular group. Right. At its core, I find that incredibly racist. That that example uh, of the coach saying that, in that example, you do not have enough information to know what was said wrong if something was said wrong. Because the assumption that both of them are automatically gay could also just as easily easily be wrong right. and discounted. Right. So I feel the actuality of the situation matters more than how it could be perceived. Similar to a lot of people will say, um, for a flip example, like uh, the racial example, when I was in school, I heard a lot of, well... Um, if you look at it from someone else's viewpoint, I got this personally a lot. Uh, I'm I'm white, and they'll always say, "Well, someone less fortunate than you who had like worse circumstances, upbringings," and they always use this in terms of minorities. My immediate response is, "That's incredibly racist," and they look at me appalled, like I I have a problem, and I'm like, and my response is always. Why are you immediately assuming an individual, just any given person, is lesser than me or had lesser circumstances than me just because they happen to be, say, in the black community right? or the Latino community or the um, Asian community? Um, you don't know anything about our individual circumstances. On an extreme, if you get one, say you get one white person, one black person from anywhere in the States... Theoretically, what happens if they one of them was adopted into the same family? Their circumstances are exactly the same. But if you immediately assume that one circumstance is different just based on the color of their skin, is that not the exact racism that um, back in my day when I was young, we used to fight against? Like, you're not supposed to see people based on the color of their skin or their sexuality or their gender or anything like that. You see them as individuals. And I am a fir firm believer in the individual. I hate when people group people together in one community. Same with your LGBTQ. I hate when people... I'm not part of the community. But even if I was, I wouldn't change the idea. I hate when everybody would assume this one community, all LGBTQ mm -hmm. people feel the same about every single thing. Like... No, they don't. They're all individuals. They have their own thoughts and ideas. But lumping them together just because just because someone happens to be gay does not mean that they all they are is gay and they're in this one group and that's it. Right. They're an individual. They maybe they're gay, but a, a radical example just to like stretch possibilities. Theoretically, they could be gay but be anti-homosexual marriage. You wouldn't know unless you ask the individual. But instead, people get grouped into big groups nowadays right. uh, and their own little tribal groups and then big blanket statement of what everybody believes in that group. And to me, it really... All of those examples, all the scenarios I got were just different shades of that exact same thing. Yeah. There were all of those massive assumption things. And there were, there were some of them like, you know... Um, 
a student comes out to a teacher and you know they are supposed to do this or not supposed to do that and all these, all these sorts of examples and it always leaves me thinking well if you wanted if you're pushing kids into this mm-hmm. because it's it's it seems the way this was you know the scenarios were said to me or the perspective to me was that they're they're pushing down that alleyway they're pushing down the LGBTQ plus alleyway. I don't think you should be pushed down it or inhibited from going down it. Yeah. You know, if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. Back to your individual versus group thing. Where a lot of it was saying like, well, um, teachers need to be educating their students on LGBTQ. Or, you know, or, they, or rather like, this is what they should be thinking. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, I, I understand calling for an understanding of LGBTQ+. Yep, but that's different than saying your students should be. It's not just different, it cuts exactly against it. They cannot be one and the same. Because if you're displaying you want to understand a group of people and you want what's best for them, you can't also say, also, all of them are this. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and I also think, and this might be a strong stance for some people listening, but... If you have the LGBTQ plus talk too soon or, you know, you, you make it a prolific thing in the classroom before regular sex education, maybe even, you know, are you championizing it to these kids? Are you making it look like the thing to do? And yeah. here's where this, I, this idea in my head comes from, because I, um, I saw a TED talk or I heard of a TED talk that was a gal that decided to raise their child and no with no gender mm-hmm. didn't say he him her it they it said none of that 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 child was referred to as an it its entire life was not given a gender until it decided what gender it wanted to be and to me that's a a very progressive stance because what you're saying is as a parent you're making the decision for your child, even when you're like anti-decision. Yep. Like I'm not, I don't want to make a decision for my child's gender, so I'm not going to do anything. But the, in your goal to make them not feel alienated, you have made them alienated. Yep. For example, and I, and this is the one that just just floored me. This scenario that I had to go through: a man and a woman hold a baby shower for their for their coming child, like a gender reveal party. Mm-hmm. What did they do wrong? I know what their technical answer is. Their technical answer that people will be wanting is they had a gender reveal party. Yeah. They decided what that child's gender was. Or they, you know, they were going to conscript themselves to the born gender and not give that child a chance to decide its own gender. Yeah, but... I don't understand that logic. I find it goes through a circle of logical fallacies. Because as soon as you say the child is going to decide its own gender, and in order to do that, you're forced to raise them completely gender neutral without anything, uh, like referring to it as an it, well then, you've gone from, say it's a girl, you've gone from raising her as, with calling her she, and raising her as a girl, until if she decides to keep it or if she wants to change instead now you've raised the child as 
its own thing, but it's still a specified thing. You're still choosing it doesn't have a gender and it's something s separate. Right. Which is the exact thing you're trying to avoid in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Because so, it's, it's, again, back to the, uh, the thing. You're begging the question of, like, what can you do and not do? Because if you're not assigning this child's gender, they're going to get into school. And what's going to happen? Yep. You know, the gym teacher is going to say, you know, is going to assign a person's gender. And then you're getting into this thing of like, well, I want to raise my kid this way. And the school's not education itself is not doing enough to teach them. But if you're teaching them, what are you teaching them? Yes. Because for, especially in America, we have had a long standing argument over what type of sexual education to be teaching in school. Because a lot of, you know, a lot of it's societal reflection. So yep. are we teaching abstinence as in don't ever do it? Are we teaching safe sex? Are we teaching, what are we teaching about sex, HIV, and all the rest of it? Yeah. You're asking all of those questions, but instead of answering them with all of that in mind, with like this broadening of people's horizons or teaching it in a way that would make sense for them or, you know, be beneficial, what you're literally saying is I don't care what you think. I'm going to blame education as a whole and I'm just going to do what I want because I selfishly am trying to prove a point? I guess. I. This is going to sound harsh. I feel like a lot of people who would go to the extremes of alienating their child against their child's, like, no choice of the child or no right. fault of the child their own, that's almost an attention grab. They're out for attention using the child for it. And that's disgraceful. And, yeah, I think that's horrible parenting. Furthermore, I think it's just... A horrible um, error in logic or lapse in judgment to, I would say, blame the school for its sex education. But I think the true problem or the true fault is trying to put sex education in the school itself. The problem with that is school or an educational system can be set up for factual knowledge and learning. If you want to send a kid to school and teach him your basic math. Two plus two, that makes four. Two plus three, that makes five. That you can teach every single kid the same way. As soon as you bring something that has a lot more gray area, like sexual education or whatnot, well, the school, school systems, especially public school and whatnot, they do not have the ability to change a set lesson plan or what they're teaching every child based on what that child needs which with a gray area like sex is required for proper learning of that and i think if you cannot properly teach it i think it does more harm than good than to get like one set okay this is exactly our sex ed and nothing else and you have to fall within this this is it that's more harm than good so it's it takes responsibility, and it's tough to say. I feel it should be up to the parents. We should pull it out of the school. Because as parents, you know what your child is and wants and everything about them, who they right. are, drastically more than the school could ever hope to. Right. And that's not in the school. It's just difference. You have a personal, intimate relationship with your child. So it should be up to you. And your responsibility to teach the child things that are personal, intimate, and have gray area. It is not a factual 
um, notation that you can just list off and teach a child. I would I I would argue that if you can teach it factually, then you can get away with it. Like if you're teaching, hey, this is the male reproductive system. Oh, that's science. Of course. Now you're teaching science. If, this if, is the female reproductive yeah, system. Yeah, if you want to move that into biology, that's completely fine. That has nothing to do with anything but fact, and I'm all for that. This, you know, I remember sitting through my sex ed class, and it was actually a lot of that. Our teacher blatantly said, we're not discussing sex here. Yeah. That's like outside of the scope of the class because I'm not here to give you the moral judgment on what to do. That's your own thing. I'm just going to teach you about this is the as far as we went was like sexually transmitted diseases, how you get them and, and that sort of stuff. But we never had the like use a condom talk. Yeah. And then you get to college and there's people, you know, honor societies and all and colleges themselves handing out all these condoms to people for trying to get them to use safe sex. But they've. Yeah, you know, it's just to me. There's this. There's this breaking Disconnect. line. Yep. Because it's how do you again? It's a three range triangle here. How do you teach LGBTQ plus? How do you teach that um, understanding, that acceptance, that self exploration? How do you teach something that's factual and not morally bound? Because you're asking for trouble. And how do you prepare students for the next phase of their life when you're not looking down their shoulder? There's this, in my eyes, there's this gigantic triangle that can't be reconciled together. Something has to be changed in the triangle. Yep. And I think that's parenting. It, people don't like to hear it nowadays because it comes down to responsibility and more responsibility is always more stressful and it's hurtful. Things like sex and whatnot should be up to the parents. It It's plain and simple because... I would say if you meet anybody in your life, they have been shaped and molded and most of their moral foundings or everyday experiences and lives all comes from the home. Very, very little of it actually comes from what they had in their school, schooling, because they have more time at home. It's more intimate. It's more personal. So that's what they pick up on. So if they learn proper sex for them and whatnot at the home with the parents, the schools have time to talk strict biology and biology class. But aside from that, they can move out to other educational, actual um, things, more history, more science, more literature. And then kids will be more prepared for that next stage in their life if you're transitioning to college or the workforce or whatever, because then they have an intimate knowledge based on um, what they've learned from their actual family, like from their parents and whatnot. And I feel that's really the only way to secure that. I don't have, I can't even begin to think of how you would reform anything in the school to make that anywhere come close. People have tried for decades to reform sex education in schools. And it's, it's just crazy. You know, it really, I mean, it really is. Because it's it's one of those things where it's not a clear-cut issue in that everyone's going to see the same things the same way. Yep. It's very much a moral dilemma. What do you think you should be doing? And to your point, if you're raising the what should we be teaching moral dilemma enough, maybe you should just teach the thing that you agree with. Yeah. Because you don't have to reconcile it necessarily with everybody. Like, like for personal examples, you know, we were, as religious men, probably taught abstinence, yes. save sex until marriage. But that was also a personal choice we made. 
Yep. Because at some point along the way, you know, that wasn't always an option. Yeah. And 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 we still made the decision based on the things that we learn and our own schema about stuff, our own perspective, decided this is something I want to stand behind. Yeah. And it's it's full circle wrapping it back to the how to think, not what to think. Yeah, you need the strong you need the strong standing. Um, because if you are not, if you don't think things through for yourself, you don't have enough of your own structural foundation to stand true to what you believe. Right. For a personal example, I have had a relationship in my past where at this time started in high school. However, the partner I was with inquired about sex to which i would um never be okay with i I wouldn't do that so if i was told what to think like if i'm just going through the motions and all i've ever learned is like safe sex or whatnot or if i'm just taught well you shouldn't do that but i'm not thought how or why to think certain things i would never have the foundation of realizing it's just a bad idea so ultimately, I'm glad I didn't. Right. You didn't cave to that peer pressure. Exactly. And to our younger audiences, it's um, when you're going through that, you're really hormonal when you're young, too. It's not like it's not like a pressure that's like, oh, well, I just don't want that cookie today. Right. Which is a pressure in and of itself. But it, it can be hard. But you have to stay true to what you believe. So if you ever, uh, if ever a difficult decision arises in your life, you have to have the foundation to be able to truly act on that how you want. Yeah. Not how society has told you you need to. Yeah. It, 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 I couldn't have said that any better. I mean, it really does come down to understanding your own perspective back to understanding LGBTQ. I mean, it starts with understanding what you think and how you think. That applies strongly in many areas of life, particularly this one. You know, there are lots of temptations that are going to come. And there are lots of people that when you take that shortcut out or if you make the decision, and it might be a wholehearted decision that, you know, this is something I agree with or I'm going to go with. Um, there's just a, a stress and an anxiety, an inner anxiety that's brought on by crumbling to that yeah you know if you stand on your own moral fortitude and you say this is what i believe and i'm not going to be shaken from it you're not going to have the easiest of roads you're going to have a lot of people and a lot of things try to tempt you but at the end of the day if you do it yourself on your own fruition you're going to feel a lot better than you do laying in bed at night thinking i wish i wouldn't have yeah and that's not I know this is in the context of sexual relations. That really is meant to be a life lesson. Yes. In all aspects, if you don't have the mental fortitude to understand what you're doing, why you're doing, and and not do something else, yep. then that might be a point of growth that you can look at. Of course. That's an important one, too, because unlike, say, a singular lesson like how to sew... Which will come up, but it's something you will use daily for the rest of your life. Right. It's something that 
you would need, I would say, you cannot live successfully without, or as successfully as you personally could achieve. Yeah, and you're not, it's not like you're going to wake up one day, you know, like they talk about the stages of uh, actualization and moratorium yeah. and all these sorts of things and um, diffusion. You're not going to wake up one day and be like, ah, I've just got it today. I'm saying no to all sorts of, or, you know, not even yep. saying no. I'm saying yes and no to the things that I believe in. That's one of those things where it takes learning yourself and understanding yourself. Yep. And at 15, you're probably not going to know that. You're Very not going to know yourself. At 18, you're not. I mean, hell, 20s, right? And yeah, you're, no. You're changing all the time. But there is, in my opinion, and again, if it's a too too harsh a one for some people, I'm sorry. There is a value in being conservative in what you do and how you do things because there are some things in life you can only do once. Correct. So at the end of the day, no matter what the pressure is, if you've decided that you want that one thing to be now, go for it. If you've decided maybe this is not a good idea for right now or maybe I should wait for more perspective. Or never. I'm thinking real quick, as soon as you were saying that, what was hitting me hard, a lot of young people today, drugs. Oh, yeah. Um, even Drinking as Even well. lightly drugs. Yep, alcohol, drugs. I almost would not start, like, I, I, I would almost not start considering the path that might lead you i would shut it down completely immediately yeah that's that's different than abstinence i mean that's 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 yeah when people teach abstinence yep they're teaching not doing something and a lot of them aren't teaching why yeah that's sort of a you know we have the benefit or have had the benefit of getting that explanation and understanding it and spending time with it yeah a lot of people don't, so therefore, if they can't have it, they want it. Yes. But there is a clear path with drugs and alcohol of you're probably not going to do well. I mean, just look around you. There's examples left, right, and center. There are people that have had premarital sexual relations, and they live just fine. But if, you know, and there, there's people that, you know, smoke pot on the weekends, and they're, they're you know, they live, fine. They, live, they live completely fine. But on the whole... If you drink a lot and you do lots of drugs, yeah, not a good idea. And from personal experience, I know quite a few people who um, have fallen into either the alcohol or any sort of drugs. And if you cave to the bottle or if you cave to substance, something in your life will give, which is why... On my harsh stance, it's gotta be hard. I've been through late high school and college. It will come up quite a lot. I can personally tell you from who I've been around and what I've experienced and being completely clean myself, I do not drink. I do not, um, I've never had any drug touch me. Um, it is, there is no benefit that that will give you via the actual substance or actual actual booze or the social gains you might get the popularity the coolness you might impress 
someone you're trying right. to impress, that's not lasting, but the effects or what the potential harm is, is very lasting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, it is really the idea of you can only do certain things once in life. Yeah. So for the rest of time, you will have that sort of on your rap sheet of things done yeah. in life. Do you really want that? Do you want your kids, if you're planning to have kids later in life, do you want to be judged by that? I th I think that's a good point. A good way to think things through, if you're trying to do it real quick, think to yourself, if you don't have kids, if you do have kids, if you do have kids, it's easy. Think about, right now, would I want my kid to do this? Or potentially do this? And if you don't have kids, think about, if you were responsible for someone or something that you cared about and you didn't want any harm to come to would you want the that person to do whatever that is right if the answer is no if your heart tells you no it's probably telling you don't do that yourself yeah. it's probably gonna be hard to bite because you're gonna be like well i'm different or i can take it or whatnot or i'm in a position in my life it's fine now but i wouldn't do it I think those are words to close by. A more serious chat the last half there. We covered a lot of topics. And you know, like I said, we try to make things uh, clearer in the middle stances. And I, I'm trying to phrase things in ways that won't get people upset. Yeah. And, and I hope... Listen, listening back, I've had to take a lot of time this chat just to sit and contemplate and think through what i'm gonna say before i say it just because it is heavy stuff especially when talking about you know sexual relations lgbtq plus all those really heavy topics they should be treated with that sort of respect and you know maybe we didn't say all the right words in the perfect order and but i hope the point still came across the people listening that you know this, this maybe maybe some things you can learn from that and if you're yeah. if you're listening to this thinking my god where's the funny jokes that started at the beginning <laughs> don't worry they'll come back next episode with that, though, thank you very much for listening to episode 31 of A Gentleman's Chat with your hosts, Ian and Billy. Have a good night.